Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Elizabeth Reese. I'm Marjorie Punnett. This is Best to the Nest, the podcast that's all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. Hi, Marjorie. How you feeling? Feeling good. Feeling like the days are getting longer and it's summertime. Well, I just want to tell everybody because you can't see us. Elizabeth is wearing turban this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, hair, what is it called? A hair turban? Yeah, it's like one of those um, super soaker highly absorbent towels. I fit in a sauna today and then I had to hop into the shower. And you look fabulous. You just look great. You look fresh faced. Your hair is back. Very glam. If you had some like, like great earrings on, you could just go out for the night. You look very good. Thank you very much. It feels good. It's like if I can start a day, particularly a Monday, which we're recording this on a Monday, if I can start a day with a sauna, I am, uh, I'm a totally new person and set for the week. I am the official, like the unofficial official sauna preacher. This is all I talk about is the sauna. Well, I do love your schedule because we've been texting back and forth all week and it was like, oh, I've got PT. Oh, I've got acupuncture. I like that you're caring (laughs) not only for your body, but for your injury and just getting well as fast as you can. No, I'm trying. I'm doing all the things. I am, I will tell you, like acutely aware of the amount of time and expense, you know, because some of this stuff is covered by insurance. Like my PT is covered by insurance, but the rest of it isn't. And it is, it's a major like energy time finance drain to heal from something. So if that encourages you to stay healthy so that you don't have to invest all of that into this stuff, uh, it's a good thing. But Elizabeth, what you're investing in really is feeling better now, Mm -hmm. but it's also making sure that that ankle isn't going to be a problem for you 20 years from now. I know, I know. And we're talking about watch, read, listen this week. And I will tell you, I'm just going to skip to read really quickly because I'm still reading Being Mortal. That's the book by Atal Gawande and it's Being Mortal, Medicine and What Matters in the End. And this is all about the end game sort of the last five years of our lives. And so many things that we do when we're younger have such an effect on, you know, 60 to 80. And then he talks a lot about like 80 to 90, what that all looks like. But that ankle that you're caring for so beautifully is you want to get it back, not only to par, but maybe better so that it's not going to be a problem when you're older. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, so I just true. think that's so important. This book, though, Elizabeth, it should be on everybody's reading list. I know. I've got to read this. You talked about this last time we were doing a watch, read, listen. And now I've just now I'm like looking at it and I've got to just download it somewhere. However, I'm going to get it's, it. Yeah, it's really important. And I think it's really important for people like I I could not recommend it enough to your parents. Um, I have all my sisters reading it because I'm trying to get my sisters to understand more deeply, not that they don't but more deeply because this book has helped me more deeply what my mother is going through and sort of the place that she's in mentally. 
about how it is when you get to a certain point in your life and you can't take care of yourself and you've lost your own sense of control Mm -hmm. and what that actually means psychologically, what it means for society that we have this large population that are put in, used to be nursing homes, some are still in nursing homes, but in that sort of long term care. And I think a lot of us find peace in this idea of, oh, you know, I'll move to an assisted living facility. Mm, It's way more complicated than that. Yeah. When you can't walk or you can't hear or you can't see, assisted living really means that you are in a room if you're lucky yeah, and that people are coming and going. And the book is fascinating because I'm, I'm halfway through it or about three quarters of the way through it. But one of the chapters deals solely with Elizabeth, how assisted living came to be. Mm. And you may not even pay that much attention to it because you don't need to yet. I know I didn't, but assisted living in the United States is a relatively new concept that was created by a woman in 1983 in Oregon. Isn't that weird? Wow. Not that long ago. And what assisted living has turned into was not anywhere near what she intended it to be. She had the best of motives and it has not gone the way that she wanted to do, mostly because big corporations saw, oh, we can make a lot of money doing this. Welcome to America, everybody. Here we go. Yeah. So, but being mortal, it it touches on so many issues that if you're particularly your age, Elizabeth, you want to read it so you can better understand sort of what may be in front of your parents. And then also so that you understand what's in front of you and you're at the sweet spot of how you can make sure that you care for yourself to avoid some of the really horrible pitfalls that befall so many people in their in their old age. Okay, you this are is so in good. absolutely the sweet spot in terms of finances and health of what you can do to make sure that you make that as graceful as it can be. Sorry, I've become read that. such an evangelist for this book. I love it. I think it's so important. Yeah, I'm going to read it in the sauna. You read about you say to read this, and I talk about the sauna. So yeah. that'll be our new thing. <laughs> That's like all we do. Okay, so since we're going backwards, I'll start backwards Sorry. too on this month's edition of Watch, Read, Listen. I'll hop in with a read. And actually, this kind of relates because you were talking about uh, assisted living started in 1983, I'm listening to slash reading um, a book called The 90s by Chuck Klosterman. And this was recommended on a Twin Cities live watch read listen, which was by my friend Lindsay Brown, who's an anchor at Five Eyewitness News. And she recommended this book. And I decided to listen to it on Audible. I'm about halfway through it. And I am absolutely loving it because if you are a person who can recall the 90s, whatever age of life you are in, you will adore this book because what is happening is that Chuck Klosterman is telling you, you know, what happened in the 90s. He's also sort of juxtaposing the the nostalgia that we have for that decade and how we might now perceive what happened compared to how we actually perceived what was happening at the time, because those two things are totally different, right? I mean, you look at like any time period and you will look back at it with a different viewpoint than you were looking at it while you were in it. And so he talks a lot about like pop culture, about politics of the time. Not a good Um, time in politics. It was a fascinating time in politics. Yeah. I mean, like even we just went through the part where George H.W. Bush's popularity went. I mean, he had an 89 percent approval rating at one point. It's unbelievable. And then to look back and see how then he 
turned out to be only a one-term president and how Bill Clinton was like a no-name guy um, that the Democrats put up because they thought there was no chance that he was going to win because whoever they put up was going to be so clobbered by George H.W. Bush that they decided we'll just put somebody who we know isn't going to win so we don't waste somebody good in this election cycle. I mean, all of that is just so fascinating. But even, you know, he goes into like talking about Tupac and Nirvana. I mean, it's so nostalgic for me. And I, I graduated from high school in 1999. So for me, it was like the, some of the stuff that I'm listening to was, was and is a little bit over my head. Like he'll make references and I'm like, I don't really know that because I think I was just too right. young at the time. Right. Um, but a lot of it I'm so deeply connected to because I was totally coming of age during that time period. Right. Yeah. It, the Bill Clinton stuff in particular is very interesting. I don't, I would differ with the, with the author on they offered him up in that he became the candidate they couldn't deny. Yeah. Because he was very, he was winning, he was winning, well, he didn't win Iowa, but he was winning some primaries. It's, it's complicated, but that's an interesting take. I'll have to go back. I'll have to, I'll have to listen to that because I think that's really interesting. And I think history, like anything, is a matter of complicated interpretation mm-hmm. and data. Yeah, it's great. Again, it's called the 90s. It's very simple. And it's got a, you know, the the cover of it has a picture of a phone, a corded phone, you know, which of <laughs> course is like at the core of the shift of what happened in the 90s when we went from having no phones to phones being ubiquitous. And then he also talks about, you know, just the interesting take that things that happened in the late 80s and then in the early 2000s are still kind of part of the 90s because you don't just flip a calendar and then all of a sudden everything changes. But it's totally yeah. worth it. I'm about halfway through and I'm really thoroughly enjoying it. Like I'm looking forward to, I mean, when we wrap That's up right. this podcast, I have a few things to do uh, around the house and I will put the audiobook back on so I can right. continue listening to it, which I think that's a good sign. That's a great sign. Do you remember, I'm sure you've seen the movie Pretty Woman. Oh, of course. So there's a scene where Richard Gere's on his phone and he's yeah. like a big boy businessman. You know, he's like a big deal and his phone is like, he's, it's like a brick. You right. Know, it's just this huge thing. Well, when I was, after we had our oldest son Gar, I was always really nervous to go out. And so Ian got me one of those <laughs> and I remember carrying it in my purse <laughs> and it was just enormous. <laughs> But it's funny to think that that was a that was a creation in the 90s. It is so it's so true. This is funny. Like, this is a funny part. He says it, it was long ago, but not as long as it seems. The Berlin Wall fell and the Twin Towers collapsed in between. One presidential election was allegedly decided by Ross Perot, while another was plausibly decided by Ralph Nader. In the beginning of the decade, almost every name and address was listed in a phone book, and everyone answered their landlines because you didn't know who it was. By the end of the decade, (laughs) exposing someone's address was an act of emotional violence, and nobody picked up their new cell phone if they didn't know who it was. The 90s brought about a revolution in the human condition that we're still groping to understand. So if that's a little bit of the description, for you that'll lure you in. I think you'll be, I think you'll be into it. Okay. Okay, So now pick the next one, whatever. Watch, read, listen, out of order edition. Go with where your heart leads you in this podcast. (laughs) Exactly. Apparently that's what I'm doing this morning. So watch, I cannot recommend this next show enough. It's called Lincoln Lawyer. Did you ever see the movie Lincoln Lawyer with Matthew McConaughey? No, but now I'm intrigued and it's on Netflix. I want to watch this. The movie is fantastic. It's one of my favorite Matthew McConaughey movies. And I don't, I think it did fine, but I don't 
I don't know a lot of people that actually saw it, but, but it was well-reviewed. Matthew McConaughey is great. Marissa Tomei is in it. So that came out probably six or seven years ago, I think. But Netflix has now taken the books. It's, it's from a book, has taken the book and have made, they've made it into a series. Oh, and yeah. the actor, Ian, was familiar with him. I wasn't. So the lead who plays the Lincoln lawyer is Manuel Garcia Rulfo. And I, I don't, I don't remember seeing him ever before. He's wonderful. He's just, he's perfect. And it took me a while to, because I'd seen the movie to let go of Matthew McConaughey's performance and let this guy's performance settle in. So I would actually recommend watch the series first if you, if you want to enjoy it. And then Nev Campbell's also in it. Who's a big star from the nineties. And it's just, it's like eight or nine episodes, but it's a, just an easy legal drama. And of course it's produced by executive produced by David Kelly. Who's like the master of the legal drama. So, so good. So it just like washes over you the characters are super accessible. It's great binge watching and it's great. Like late night. I'm so tired. I can't do anything else. TV. Okay. Perfect. That sounds great. And it's eight episodes. You said, right? Oh no. Yeah. Eight ten or nine episodes. Tops. 10. Is it 10? Yeah. I'm looking at it. On okay, it's 10. Did you miss the last two episodes? Apparently it's 10, eight, nine, 10. They're 12, all like between 49 know. and 56 minutes. Can I just say too, from a television, a person who works in television, mm-hmm. the freedom that creators have now to just make the episode as long as they want. Like, okay, look at this, Marjorie. The first episode is 49 minutes. I know this is getting a little inside baseball on TV, yeah. but still 49 minutes. The second episode is 47 minutes. The yeah. finale episode, let's go to that, is 56 minutes. That yeah. would never have happened no. on network television. Like, impo- it, it still can't. It's impossible. No. You have to abide by the time that you're given you have you need one more minute to tell a scene sucks to be you you've got to get out it's how it goes you know it's so funny because it's such a broadcaster thing like old school broadcaster thing i mean the biggest trouble i ever got into as a producer i think i was 23 or 24 and i was producing a six o'clock newscast i know i know where you're going and it went long. Yeah, yeah. And we just, and you don't get to go long. No. So I say, I say it went long. It didn't go long. It got cut off in the middle of them saying goodbye. It's not good. It's not good. It's sloppy. It's bad. And I remember, like, cause it's so abrupt when you're sitting in the control room and then it just, the, the mechanics of TV just take it away. They take over. They take over. And so I just remember sitting in the control booth. It's like, oh, God, oh, this isn't going to be good. I'm and the get news a director was waiting outside the booth for me the minute I walked out. Oh, man. And that stuff gets drilled. I mean, I'm 23 or 24. Like, that stuff gets drilled in your head. Like, make it on time. Make it on time. Make it on time. Because <laughs> you don't want the news director standing outside. But I know. It doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter if you're on Netflix. Okay. Um, no. Speaking of Netflix, so I mentioned this last week in our podcast with Kelly Smith, and I just have to reiterate how good it is. This is definitely my pick for what to watch. It's Wild Babies on Netflix. This is all I talk about too. Um, This show is so good and it is just one of those series that I just keep thinking about. You know, if you loved like I loved the movie March of the Penguins, which of course was narrated by the great Morgan Freeman. And I remember seeing that and just thinking, this is unbelievable. And they actually do feature those penguins in Wild Babies, the penguins that live in Antarctica. But they go through, each episode is between 28 and 35 minutes, however long they want it to be. There's eight episodes and they all feature wild babies. And so 
Some of them are lions, elephants, penguins, pangolins, all sorts, you know, all sorts of seals, um, orangutans. I'm like looking at all of them. And it's so fascinating to see what these wild babies have to overcome. And then also what I think is so interesting as a parent of young children is just some, like babies. the different gender roles of different species, because like the penguins, for example, the dads are so involved. I right. mean, and then there's other species where the dads have absolutely nothing to do with any of them in the lions. The mom goes away to give birth and then raises the cubs alone for a certain amount of time and then has to bring them back to the pride where the dad decides if he will or will not accept his own children. And if he decides not to, he kills them. And if he decides to, then they're in the pride. I mean, it really is like... I hate nature. It's just fascinating. I, I know. And I do think, though, like, it is so brutal. I mean, there's so many things that you think, wow, if we think that humans are terrible to each other. Like we should just look at her because there's lots of species where it seems like there may be worse to each other. But it also, I think to me, a lot of my takeaway was to really, as I think I've, I'm, I'm working on, I don't know if I've like really expressed this very much, but like just leaning more into my instincts, like leaning right. into what my instincts are because they, when you look at nature and you look at all, and we are nature, we are part of nature. You know, we love to separate ourselves from the animal kingdom, but there's a lot, I mean, we are mammals, right? And so all of these animals, they just know what to do. And, and it's great. And if you just like lean into, you know, your knowing of what to do, you can just not waste so much time trying to obsess over every freaking decision. You know, it's really terrific. So I well, think I, watch it. I think I, I love what you said about instinct. And I think that there, there's a, I think there's real truth to that in mothering. Mm-hmm. And I think the complications that we bring to parenting are the complications that society brings to us. Yeah. And so if you can stop that chatter in your head. And what I'm, what I mean by that is to say, is like what clothes your kids should be wearing, what cars you should be driving, what all of, all of what schools, you know, your kids should be going to all of that sort of outside chatter that is, I think, I think is, it can be super annoying and I think can get in the way of just knowing what's right about how you want to raise your children and the kind of family you want to have, which basically as cliches, as is going to sound just comes down to love them really well. I know. And listen to them. You say yeah. that a lot with your kids. And I love hearing you say that, that you truly really try and listen to them. Yeah, I do. And I think loving and listening, you're going to be in great shape by the time they're teenagers. Oh, if gosh. you do that all along the way. I don't know about with Franklin though. He doesn't listen to me. <laughs> You just have to listen to him. What's going to happen with him? Wild Babies, Netflix, eight episodes. Watch it. I, I We loved watching it with the kids. Oh, that's um, great. But I certainly don't think that you have to have kids to watch it. I think you will just absolutely adore it. It's really great. And if you're wondering, too, as a parent, if there's, like, any gruesome scenes, it's pretty good. Because sometimes it can get a little bit overwhelming, some of these nature things for kids, if they're seeing, like, I mean, there's definitely some, like, eating of a zebra. But, like, the zebra's dead. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Just to help you out there. Okay. Um, all right. Where are we now on this Russian roulette of watch, read, listen? I think we're on. I think we're on. What have you not talked about? Listen. Oh, 
This is great because I knew what you were going to say today. I knew it. It wasn't even a question. And I have a text message to read to you. Please hold before you announce what your pick is for listen. This text message comes from my friend Mary, my fellow Kappa Kappa Gamma from the great University of Wisconsin-Madison. And she texted me over the weekend. You know you're a nester when you listen to the new Harry Styles album on repeat all weekend and think of Marjorie. I love her. That's Mary. Yep. Yep. And then I was like, wait a second. I haven't listened to this yet. What have I been doing? And then she sent me her favorite song on the album so far is the song called Boyfriends. And then I started listening to nonstop Harry Styles for all of Sunday afternoon, Marjorie. You did? Oh, yeah. I got totally into it. Oh, that's great. (laughs) No, Harry's house was released on Friday, I believe. Um, He did. You know, it's so amazing. Apple is so brilliant. So Apple... You know, I, I have the Apple music subscription, so I can just download the album, but Apple, the day before the release, they released a long form interview with Harry Styles and then they did a live concert. And I think they're, the marketing arm is just so amazing for Harry Styles. I mean, however you feel about the fact that he was in a boy band before, he's super hot right now, but in a way it's because he does everything right. I mean, they're just doing everything right. And his audience still, he did a live performance, I think, on Thursday morning on the Today Show, sang some of his old stuff and then sang a lot of the stuff from the new album. And it was so funny, Elizabeth. I mean, I'm 58. I'm looking at the audience and they're all like mm, between 16 and probably 25-year-old women. For sure. <laughs> Who cares? It, it, I don't. You and I are both I'm, totally out of the Target demo, but I'm yeah. on board now with you. Yeah, I don't care because what I love about it, what I love about him, and it it makes sense to me, all of his, a lot of his musical influences, and he's talked about this, are from the 70s. Okay, so that's the sweet spot of me growing up. I was in my early teenage years in the late 70s, early 80s. And so a lot of his music is kind of nostalgic for me without having to be nostalgic. I don't know if that makes sense. So Yeah, but it's like the updated version. I mean, th- yeah. I think that's so great. So it's like you feel modern, but at the same time connected to something that feels super familiar. I mean, that's like the best of both worlds. It's the best of both worlds. Because if I listen to like when I'm working out, I'll be like, I want to, I'll say, you know, Alexa, play some James Taylor, same, play some Jackson Brown, play some Fleetwood Mac, play whatever. But if I go there, like there's a certain song from Fleetwood Mac that if I hear that, I'm suddenly, I'm not going to say her name. But in a friend of mine's basement where everybody's in a line making out, like it's such a vivid memory. You totally have to say her name and call her out. She won't know. It'll be great. Oh, her name was Jan Marie. Yeah, in Jan her basement. Marie. That's the party basement. Party. Ba- and I just, I don't want to go there. When I'm working out on a Monday morning, <laughs> I really don't want to go back to that moment. So it's like, so I can listen to this music that's reminiscent for me or nostalgic for me without having to go back to like seventh grade. It's a good thing. The album's getting sort of decent reviews. Not people are being, you know, they're, they're critics. So they're being sort of hypercritical, but everybody sort of agrees that it's kind of a fun album. The first song he released is, um, as it was. Have you heard that one? Yeah. 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 Great. Pop, fun, jumpy, energetic. The boyfriend one, I think that's interesting that your girlfriend really likes that. Lyrically, it's so perfect if you're a young, can't you imagine if you're a young 20 something listening to that song? It's so good. I love it. I know. But lyrically, it sort of, it skews young. 
I think the music sort of skews Eddie age mm-hmm. and that's what he does really well. His, his lyric, her, his lyrics sort of speak to a certain demographic, but I like the, I like the music. And so it's wonderful, but it's a good album. I would download it if I were you. Yeah. I'm a fan of it too. And speaking of music and sort of how you were talking about that, that marketing and then the downloading of the album. I am at a really interesting point in that book, the nineties, where they're talking about the dramatic shift in the music industry that took place in the nineties with the advent of Napster and then all of the debate over, could you share music and what that meant for artists and for record companies and, and that shift to digital music. And that's super fascinating too, because it just makes you think like, oh yeah, remember well, when we had to buy these CDs and remember how overpriced they were? And remember when the record companies were gouging everyone, including the artists, like they, they kind of have a reputation right. for being the bad guy for a good reason. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's so weird to me. I mean, we, Ian and I've moved so many times in our lives and for every move until this last one, we were moving about, uh, I'm not, well, probably a thousand vinyl records. Oh yeah. And we lost a lot of them in St. Paul because our basement flooded. And I it was Ian's record collection. And I was grateful because it's like I'm so tired of moving these. I'm so tired of moving these. But for somebody who loves LPs, it's hard to get rid of vinyl. Yeah. But for me, like the joy of carrying all my music in the in my phone, it's so wonderful. Oh gosh, I know. I'm totally with you. Although I do think you miss out on the full album experience and I've been yeah. cognizant of that. Yeah. And I've been really trying. I, I tried this when Taylor Swift came out with Evermore and then, or folk, Folklore and then Evermore to listen to the entire thing start to finish so that oh, I nice. could really hear the story from start to finish because you kind of miss that. I learned that from my friend Donna Valentine, who is on the Donna and Steve show on My Talk 1071, our former time slot that we laid the groundwork for their success. We did. And don't you let them forget it. And, but Donna is a former like country radio DJ forever. And she, I remember her telling me about album of the year. I don't know if we were hosting a show one day and we were talking about this and how people really miss out on like they don't understand the significance of album of the year now because we don't listen to albums all the way through. We don't push play on a tape and listen to the whole thing. But the album of the year award is for that story that the album tells and like the composition right. of the album. And so when she told me that and then I just started thinking that and I thought, gosh, I think I'm kind of like missing out on an experience that I used to really enjoy, which was like, what was the story of the album? I don't right. know. So no, that's great. And that's a good reminder to do that. I mean, yeah. and I think in some ways, just being able to download a whole album helps and hinders that at the same time. For sure. You know, but, but I think that's it. I did, I did do that with Harry's house. I listened from beginning to end. So did I. Yeah. yeah I did it yesterday right. and I really liked it. Okay. So my last pick in this menagerie of watch, read, listen for the month of May is, um, the book, the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo. So I've talked about Taylor Jenkins read before. She is a writer. She wrote the book Daisy Jones and the six, which I mm-hmm. loved. And I talked about on this podcast. And then I just, I listened to this as well on Audible, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. And it's just a very fun story. Like, I don't want to give you any spoilers because I want you to really understand um, the story. But basically, you find out quickly on that there is a, a relatively young writer named Monique who gets connected 
with this superstar, this like super Hollywood star, sort of like an Elizabeth Taylor-esque figure named Evelyn Hugo to write about her. And Evelyn Hugo had seven husbands throughout her life. And so you learn about these two and, and Evelyn Hugo's life and about her public perception versus what was really going on in her real life. And it's just sort of fun because her early work was in the 50s, this character. And so like the the totally manufactured private lives of celebrities that were put out there in the 50s. Right. I mean, right. that all of this like rings true. I mean, there, I think there's like a lot of truth to how things worked in that time. Right. Um, but it's a novel and it's just fun. And it's going to oh, be made great. into, and it's it got picked up by Netflix. So they're adapting it. And I'm not sure if it's going to be a movie or if it's going to be a series or how it's going to end up working out. But it did get picked up by Netflix. And so we'll get to look forward to that. What a great time to be a writer because people are just scouring the world for content. I know. I know. It's a good book. It's fun. It's, I think that you'll like it. So that's what we've got. I think we covered everything, didn't we, Marjorie? We did. Out of order. Who cares? It's our podcast. We can do whatever we want. (laughs) Isn't that nice? I feel like everything else is so restricted except for this. It's great. Yep. Um, if you're enjoying this podcast, this willy nilly podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. So Martinka writes today, thank you for being human in mm. a world of social media mayhem. It's refreshing as a mom, wife, and overall happy woman to find comfort in a podcast that talks about the real life moments, the good, the crazy, the tough. Thank you for being real for being vulnerable, and for making me feel like a human. Keep on bringing the best to the best happy heart. Now, this reminds me, and let's see who can do this faster. Can you pull up that text that we got from a friend of ours? I want to do a quick follow-up. Oh, yeah, from Molly? From Molly from last week. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Molly is like, she just will fire off a truth bomb on your text message when you least expect it, Molly. I love it. I love her. Did you um, find it? Yeah, I have it. I can read it. Do Would you go ahead and read that? This is in reference to something we were talking about last week when we were talking to Kelly. Wasn't it last week when we were talking to Kelly Smith that this came up or was it the week before? It was the week before. This was when we did an episode about mothers in the workplace when we talked about your motherly survey that you found that talked about mothers. Oh, that's right. Level of satisfaction or dissatisfaction in the workplace. And here's what Molly said. She texted us and she said, I'm just listening to your episode about mothers in the workplace and the decisions around salary versus the cost of childcare. One thing that drives me nuts about this conversation is that it's assumed that the only person's salary that goes toward childcare is the mom's. Like, why aren't we reframing this as dad makes 50K and mom makes 50K and childcare costs 20K? She said, literally making this up. So the math is easy for me. Way to go, Molly. <laughs> Each parent puts 10K of their salary toward childcare instead of mom saying, is it really worth me working for over half of what I make after taxes to go toward childcare? I've never, not once, heard a dad talk about how much of his salary goes toward childcare. Anyway, I love your show. We love her. Molly's great. And I was like, Molly, this this reframing was like a mind-blowing experience for me because I have never once thought, even when I was making more money than Jay, have I ever once thought about his salary going towards childcare? I've always thought of it as mine. This is shocking. And And that is how I always felt, always felt about it. And it was, when I read that text, it was... It, I mean, it's so cliche to say an aha moment, 
But it was like, oh, my God, how have I been thinking about this wrong all along? All along. And, and, and we hear it and we were perpetuating that because I think we were talking about that when I was talking about my job. And at one point, my salary was sort of matching daycare and, and well, we're perpetuating it because we've been taught from the time that we were born that childcare was our responsibility. A hundred percent. That's why we're perpetuating it. And now we're not going to do it anymore. No, I mean, it is so true. Why did we not think of that? Or why is it not like, even if you think of it on a percentage based, so if you thought, okay, person X makes, you know, 75% of the family income, person uh, Y makes 25% of the family income, so then you would contribute equal percentages right. to the child care. Like you could even break it down that way, even if you're not making the same amount of money. I mean, right. it, this is so applicable and it's totally true. Why are we always assuming that we're 100% responsible for either providing the care ourselves or paying for it. So we get the luxury of working unreal. It's And so Molly, keep them coming. And and that goes to everybody because I think we are always open to reframing something. If we've been stuck in a way of thinking of something, this was phenomenal to me. So thank you again, Molly. So boy, who knew we were going to get that deep in the very, I mean, we're in the wrap up portion of the podcast, Marjorie, you know that like we already, we read half of the wrap and then we just did a whole nother podcast. We did find us on Facebook and Instagram at best of the nest. We are the podcast that will go anywhere it wants to go and we will always bring you home. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.